Welcome to Whatcom New Life Assembly's Sermon of the Week, where, as always, it's all good news. For more info on how to get involved in our church or to partner with our ministry, please visit us at whatcomnewlifeassembly.org. Ah, isn't worship great? Amen. Did you know that this is the first, woo, woo, first time I have ever even sung the song just as I am? Put down your stones, all right? Anybody? I know, they let me become a pastor without knowing that song. Uh, there's other songs I do know, but listen, singing is so vital as a vehicle to worship. Zeb agrees with me, but we're not talking about singing today. We're going to talk about worship, okay? We're going, to, we're going to pray as we start. Father, as we turn to your word today, would you teach us how to worship? Father, would you, would you change our hearts, our minds, and who, uh, who we think we are and who we think you are by your word, Father? Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We turn to your word for truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So today we are going to lay a foundation of worship. Get excited. You don't seem excited. <laughs> worship. The word worship is the Hebrew word shaka. Shaka, brah. That's why Hawaii is so anointed. They're, they're worshiper. Actually, it's not, the he it's not the Hawaiian word shaka. It's the Hebrew word shaka. And I'm going to demonstrate exactly what it is to worship. You're going to see the perfect form of worship right now. You feel awkward yet? <laughs> the word worship doesn't mean to sing doesn't mean to give thanks, doesn't mean to shout out loud, doesn't mean to pray, it means to prostrate oneself. That's what worship is. To bow down, to depress. Well, some of you are like, I got that one down, I'm depressed all the time. <laughs> what you call depression is actually not worship at all. To depress means to push down. It means that I go below that and I'm only laying before God, not before my anxieties and my depressions. I am laying before a holy God who is, period. Worship, shaka, to bow down, to prostrate one's self. So I thought it would be a good idea to go to the first mention of worship in the scripture. There, there's a, a rule called the, the law of first mention. When something is first mentioned in the scripture, it's always good to pay attention to what it's saying there, right? So we're going to go to the first mention of worship in the scripture, and it's in the, the uh, book of Genesis chapter 22, and it is Abraham and his son Isaac. This is the first time we get a glimpse of what worship is. We are called to be worshipers in spirit and in truth. This is a universal truth that God has set forth. So, we're going to read Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. We're going to press pause there. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Excuse me. God tested Abraham's faith. 
First thing you need to understand about worship is it's always a test for you. Worship in your life is always a test. A test of your faith. Will you worship God, the God who is, when, when things are at their most bestest? Will you worship God when everything is taken from you and you have been slain and you're laying on the ground? Will you worship? Will you worship when things are normal? When things are abnormal? When things are comfortable? When things are uncomfortable? Will you worship? Worship is always a test. Now here's the deal. In, in sustained good times, it's a test. In bad times, it's a test. Here's the deal. If, as you walked out of the church today, I had $1 million, and I handed it to every person. Just grab a $1 million bill, and as you walked out, you got a million dollars. You walked to the next person, and it was a doctor, and he gave you a clean bill of health. It's all gone. You're perfect. You're completely healthy. Your inclination in that moment, as it should be, is to praise the Lord, is to shout out thanks. Oh, glory be! Right? Come on, am I the only one? Folks, come on already, don't lie to me, all right? That's great! Now, let's say I continue to give you a million dollars every day, or that million, it's going to continue to... <laughs> Revival breaks out here. But here's the test. Thanksgiving, praise, they're all good things. But they're not worship. They're the good things, but they're not worship. This is why the, one of the hardest tests to pass is the test of prosperity. Will you still go low to God when you have everything going for you? I don't even need God anymore. I'm perfectly healthy. I, can, I, I have more than enough to pay all my bills and go to Hawaii every day, and I can go to Disney World every other day. This is great! I, I, I've got health, I've got a great family, peace and error. Oh, that's awesome. Glory be, I can praise God all I want. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But will I still go low and lay before a God that is? It's a test. Conversely, if you walked out of here today, and as you walked out, I hacked and drained your entire bank accounts. And then I took a baseball bat and whacked and broke both your legs. And you're all laying there in a pile. First of all, you wouldn't come back next week. But it's a test. I'm not going to do this test, all right? Just like I'm not going to do the first one. But it is a test. As I'm laying there bleeding on the cement with not a dime to my name, will I still lay before God and worship? Or will I say, oh God, it's terrible. Oh God, that man was supposed to be a man of God and look what he did. How could you let this happen to me? Oh, woe is me, it's terrible, life is bad. Oh God, help, help, help. That's prayer, but it's not worship. You see, it's easy to go, go to intercession and pray when things are bad but it's still not easy to worship. It's a test. Because worship is bowing down before a God who is, period. 
if I can't just be still before my God and bow everything that is to him, that's what worship is. There is a place for prayer. There is a place for praise. Very important places. But my test is, will I be a worship? Am I going to worship? Regardless of what's happening in my life, will I go low? Or do I have to continue to recite my problems? Or I'm just too excited about what's going on. Can I still lay before God who is? All right, we're moving on. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on, the one, on one of the mountains, which I will show you. What? We're going to pause there, and I promise I won't pause after every verse. But we are going to pause there. Take your son, your only son, the one you love, and go offer him to me as a burnt offering to the Lord. First of all, every time you come to this, if you're like me, you're like, God, why on earth? That goes against who you are. Everywhere else in the Bible, you'll see God say it's an abomination to sacrifice humans or, or children or anything to him. He doesn't want that sacrifice. It doesn't please him. It's terrible. It, it is egregious. His judgment comes on those who do it. But yet, in this instance, he asks Abraham to sacrifice as a burnt offering, which means to kill, not just singe his hair a little bit, his one and only son, his, the one he loves, the, one, the child of the promise. First of all, you have to understand something here. Abraham existed before the law was ever given. Okay, We have the Bible. Abraham, nothing. He didn't have anything written down. He didn't have stone tablets because Moses hadn't gone, to, gone onto, onto the Mount Sinai yet to chisel them out with God. He had only a relationship. That's all he had. And he had the stories of, of, of his ancestors. And so child sacrifice, he wasn't so sure about that. What he had was, I'm going to lean in and I will do whatever you say, God. Okay, you have to understand that. So it's not, God would never ask you now in 2019 to do that. We live on, in, in the greatest time in world history. Why? Because we have the relationship like, like uh, Abraham did. But you know what else we have? We have the word of God. God never speaks to me. Open the Bible. He wants to speak to you. Moreover, on this side of the cross, we have the gift of the infilling of the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to testify to us. I want you to understand, because maybe, maybe you're, you're new to the whole faith thing, you need to understand God would never ask you to do something that would contradict what he says in here, okay? So we need to be students of this, because it, it, oh, he, he's looking for a relationship with us. If you have any, any, any questions, I don't know, I feel God asking me to do this, uh, it, Go to somebody who loves Jesus and say, what do you think? Would God ask me to do this? And listen to their counsel, okay? God would never ask you to do something contrary to his word, and I think I just lost my spot, which is all right. Here we go. Go to Mount Moriah, sacrifice him. Okay, as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Remember, no lie yet. 
We don't get the interim here. We don't know the conversation between Sarah and Abraham or Abraham and Isaac. All we get now is verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for the fire for a burnt offering and set out to the place where God had told him about One more thing. You will always, most often find connected with worship, offering. Giving. The easiest thing in the world for me to draw the parallel is, is with my money, with my finances, because I can write that down, I, can, I have line items, I can see it. But if you don't give of your finances, all right, it goes beyond money. It goes into all sorts of things, but let's move on. Offering is a giving, is a laying down of something to the Lord. And set out to the place God told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Here we go. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there. And we'll come right back. We're going to read more. Stay here. The boy and I are going to worship. He wasn't telling them, (coughs) we're going to go sing Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. He was saying, we are going to go lay low. We're going to go bow down before God Almighty. And then we'll come back. We will worship. That's what he's saying. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. (laughs) While he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, but uh, where is the sheep for the burned offering? It's a legit question, kids, all right? (laughs) Verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And the boy, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of earth will be blessed, all because you've obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. Worship. To go down, to lay low. To to bow down before God. But I love this statement in here. Because what is the opposite of worship? It doesn't mean to stand up. The opposite here, I love this part, it says, Because you have obeyed and not withheld. 
The opposite of worship is withholding anything from God. That's the complete opposite of what true worship looks like. True worship is to lay down, lay it all down. Uh, the opposite is except this part, right? This is important to understand. If you, want to, if you want to be a true worshiper, you have to understand what the opposite of worship is. Again, we'll go back to the finances, okay? Because it's the easiest. We'll talk about some other things. But if I never give of my finances to God, I'm never worshiping God with my finances. And what am I saying in that? I'm saying, oh God, I lay my life down. Anything you want. Oh, I give you my health. I give you my kids. Have my kids, please, Lord. Have my spouse. Oh, yes, Lord, but... I'm going to hold on to this one. Oh, I worship you. I worship you. Meanwhile, this is being held up. And it's being, I'm, I'm holding my finances hostage. Why was Abraham so blessed? Because he offered it all. If you want your finances blessed, you have to lay it down to God. Any area of your life, you're withholding. And it might be your, 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 your kids. I'm not, I'm not willing to trust you with my kids. I have to make sure that they do as I'm telling them to do. And, what, and God's like, trust them to me. You know, I'll trust the, the oldest to you, but the youngest, I don't trust you with just yet. If you want your kids blessed, you have to worship God and lay them down. If you want your future blessed, if you want, if you want your, your marriage blessed, Father, I lay it before you. And not, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go get a divorce. That's not laying it down. That's quitting. Laying it down, saying, whatever, God. I, I lay down what I think I need and what I demand out of this, and I trust you to fulfill me in the ways that I don't feel fulfilled right now. I trust you. We could go into lots of areas of, of your life. Why do people go into, become drug addicts, heroin addicts, alcoholics, when they get addicted to these substances? Because what they're saying is, I need to lay most of my life down, but in my area of my emotions and my happiness, I don't trust you. I think this is going to help me be happier than this. And so as a result... The, 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 the area of their emotions aren't blessed. Let's talk about sexuality. Uh, Lord, oh God, send me a spouse. In the meantime, I'm going to sleep with whomever I please. Or even in a marriage situation, oh God, I'm not, I, need, I need help in this area, Lord. You're not laying, God designed the thing. He wants to fulfill you in it. But if I demand to be fulfilled in my way, in my time, I am not laying it down and trusting him. Any area of your life that you're not laying down to God, like, this is my one and only, this is the one most important thing, this is my promise, this is my Isaac, and I, I'm going to hold on to that. What was, what was Abraham's act of worship? This, Isaac was given to Moses as the promise. Some of you have been given promises that were fulfilled, and now you hold on to them as if you can, you can never give them back to God, or God's not allowed to touch them again. Living this kind of lifestyle before God in every area of my life, what does it do? It attracts blessing. It, I, oh, because you have not withheld, I will pour so much blessing on that area of your life. But if you're withholding, there's no spout to, to land on that blessing. Father, I will go low. I am yours. My emotions are yours. My sexuality is yours. My finances is yours. And I lay it down. 
Not, and, and the first act of worship isn't to beg for fulfillment in those. It's to lay it down. That's the first act. That's what worship is. Now, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, all of those things come next. But I have to lay it down first. Salvation alone, I have to lay my life down. I can't lay part of it. i got to lay it all down. I completely trust you, God. I give it to you. I worship. I go low. I prostrate my life, my finances, my everything before you. Why do we raise our hands in worship? Because we can't all lay down on our faces. <laughs> we don't have enough room. But what is that doing? When I, when I lift my hands, it's I'm going low. It is a, I'm able to bow while I stand, right? If I were robbing a bank and I'm walking out with a giant dollar bill sign bag and the police pull out, they're going to say, put your hands up. What am I doing? I'm bowing to them. I submit, I bow, I lay it, I lay it down. The next step is now get on your face. <laughs> but that's, it's surrendering. I give it all to you. Some of you need to surrender your life, an area of your life back to God. Oh God, I surrender. And, th and then stop bet talk talking to him about it for a minute and just let him have it. I surrender so that you'll bless me in it. No, first of all, start surrendering. The blessings naturally follow that. Surrender it. Surrender. I want to pick on our worship team for a minute. I'm sure many, but many people in, in, in this room, you've uh, been on a worship team, you play an instrument, you would love to be part of a worship team, or, or somewhere in between. But let me tell you, the number one, single one, most important thing in being a, on the worship team is to be the most humble person in the room. To go a little, what, what you really are saying is like, you're not going to, I play a sick guitar. Boy, I can sing. I want to be on the worship team. Please go sit down. Listen, we want excellence. We strive for it. If you're a great musician, that'd be awesome to have you. But if you can't lay on your face flat before God and say, it's all yours. Our worship team has to be the people who are the example of what it means to lay our lives down. Otherwise, we're not leading in worship. We're just playing songs. I have to do it. My, and we do the same thing. Right? When, when my jam comes on, I'm in. Oh, praise Jesus. But if it's a song I don't like, or maybe I've had a bad experience with, I'm like, can we move on to the next one, please? I lay, my, I lay it all down, and I worship. I worship in spirit and in truth. And this is the kind of worship that we're looking for. Now, the worship team has a sacred duty. They are called to lay their lives down so fully that they blaze a trail into the presence that we get to walk in behind easily. And we are blessed to have an amazing worship team that does that. But we have to lay our lives down as well. We all, like to, we all like to worship and sing to our, uh, our soundtrack, right? The soundtrack that we were saved with, right? For me, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Carmen, oh, I could just fall out in the spirit right now. I'm an 80s kid, all right? I just love the 80s. I, I, when an 80s worship song comes on, I'm like, oh, that's right. It brings me back to a nostalgic place, and I can worship easily there. But I'm telling you, that is cheap worship. That's, that's not worship. That may be praise, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but worship isn't when, when I can't, oh, yeah! Worship is, I, I don't know what I feel, but the truth is you're God. I put my arms in the air because I'm worshiping God, not because I feel like it at the moment. Sometimes I do. You play as the deer, and my hands will be up immediately, all right? 
But I'll tell you, the, the discipline, the, the worship is God is God no matter what. The discipline is I know this just happened in my life, or I just won the lottery, or that God, you are still God. And I lay it down to you. That's worship. That is worship. Humility is the only true worship. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker, period. That's worship. This is why bowing was such a big deal in the scripture. You get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and, and they refuse to bow down to a statue, and so they're thrown into the fiery furnace. If they were in the United States at that moment, here's how most of us in the church would say, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, calm down. Just just bow down, but only think about Jesus, and don't, don't let him know. Right? Wouldn't we do that? Come on, folks. Daniel, are you dumb? You don't have to bow to anybody. Just stop bowing to God for a few minutes. You can bow in your heart. Just smell. Don't let anybody know what you're doing. Go hide and do this. Bowing was such an important, because it's worship. So I'm willing to be thrown to the lions. I'm willing to be burnt alive, because worshiping only God. Mordecai in the book of Esther, he refused to bow to Haman or Naaman. And so what happened? They were going to hang him from the gallows. And all he had to do was just kneel down. He could have, he could have checked his email while he was kneeling. Right? But if it's my heart. If I'm, not, if, I'm, if I'm willing to bow down to the culture because am I willing to bow down to God? And it's this, the opposite is true here. Am I going to raise my hands and worship well, I shouldn't because I know it might offend this person next to me. Well, first of all, I'm thinking about the person next to me. I'm not worshiping. Second of all, there's other people. Woo, yeah, Jesus! And, and they're trying to put on a show for the person next to them or the body as a whole. Now, I'm not here to judge anybody's worship. That's between you and God. When you raise your hands, are you doing it because you're bowing to God? When you say woo-hoo, are you doing it because you're bowing to God? When you fold your hands and look angry, are you doing it because you're bowing to God? That's between you and God, but understand, worship is a bowing down to God. A bowing down, no matter what. I need, to, I need to speed up here. I want to read something that was in my devotions yesterday, and I hadn't planned to read it, so it won't be on the screen. But it's out of the book of Job, or Job. No, it's Job, trust me. One day... When Job's sons, Job's sons and daughters, were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided us. First of all, understand this. Job was a very wealthy man, the most wealthy man of all. And, he, and so his servant comes. The Sabaeans raided us. They stole the animals and killed the farmlands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrives with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your, killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in your oldest brothers in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house at all sides. The house collapsed, and your children are all dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Talk about a bad day. 
Nobody here has had that bad of a day. Verse 20 says, Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Your response to tragedy may be to shave your head and fall on your face. But if it's just as a response, oh God, why? That's not worship. Any fool can grieve. And it's important to grieve. But in this moment, will you still say, even though I'm slain, blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I came into this world, naked I will leave. I will worship God. That's what worship is. That is what worship is. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God. Now surely we can fast forward to the New Testament and find a more, a, a more happy, cool version of worship, right? Skinny jeans worship, all right? We've been talking about the Hebrew word shaka, and yeah, okay, we can't get around it. It means to lay prostrate before God on the ground, to bow before him in every area of my life. Surely the New Testament, this side, the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, has a better form of worship. Well, the New Testament word for worship is proskuneo. It's the Greek word, because that's what it was written in. And it means this, to kiss the hand, to prostrate oneself in homage. Oh no, it means the same thing. In fact, I love this picture, okay? In the Strong's uh, Exhaustive Concordance, which I love reading when I'm reading my my word, it says, they talk like, they say this, the word proskuneo comes from two words, the, the root word pros, which means toward, and kuan, which means dog. And the, and the analogy that they're drawing here is worship looks like a dog kissing your hand. And you're like, well, I'm the dog. You're the dog in the story. If you have a dog, I'm not kidding. If they, they, they will, my dog gets so excited, he gets low and just starts, oh, and he'll start licking my hand. God, oh, I'm, well, I'm not God, but you understand, I'm his master. Oh, and I'm so excited. You give me food. Oh, God. Oh, you're the best, Andy. You're going to take me on a run. Oh! (laughs) You can use this. This is why everybody needs a dog. You learn about Scripture. (laughs) Our posture. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. (laughs) It's God. He's here. Oh, God. Oh, God. I bow before, oh, I worship you. I lay my life down before you. I bow in spirit. I bow in truth. I give it all to you. I lay it down. Holy and completely. Now, my dog does it because he gets excited. Sometimes, you know, if God walked into the room, you're going to be excited. But we walk in spirit and in truth. That's how Jesus told us to worship. Okay? Sometimes my spirit goes, woo! I'm in! I'm worshiping straight away. Other times, it's the truth I'm going to worship in. 
Now, it doesn't matter what mountain I'm on. It doesn't matter if I'm in the valley of the shadow of a death. I'm going to worship. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to worship because you are God. You are God. I am man. I am the, I'm, the crea- I'm created. You, you are the one who created me. I worship you. I lay my life down before you. I'm telling you, our emotions make great slaves but terrible masters. I love it when the song is perfect and I just fall out in the spirit. And Micah W. Smith sings, Friends of friends forever. All right, we need to move on. But if that's the only time I worship, I've yet to actually worship. The step of worship that, that God is looking for is people will step outside their circumstance, whether good or bad, step outside their emotions, whether good or bad, and just say, God, and be silent. Now, I'm not diminishing the role of now praise and thanksgiving or supplication and prayer. All those things have their place, but 101 is And if we can get that right, the other stuff can be built on. If I will worship God because he's God for no other reason, then I'm a worshiper. I want to talk about fasting as a tool. Fasting is an interesting thing, which most, most of us don't do all that often. But fasting is a tool of worship. It, 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 it literally means this, to shut your mouth. That's what the word fasting in the scriptures is, to shut your mouth. Now, most of the time what we do is we deny ourselves food, and then what we think about for the next three days is food, especially when the pastor puts maple bars on the screen or burgers, John. And so we deny ourselves that, and what we're saying is, God, I deny myself of this, not so then I can recite my list of things that I want from you. I've failed the fast now. I might as well eat the burger because the fast is, And God can speak to me whatever he wants to speak to me because he's God. I'm telling you, it's a powerful tool of worship. And then you start praying into the things he's speaking to you and you're going to see great fruit. But if I do this, I'm not going to eat for five days unless you heal my dog. Oh, day four, I'm starving. Heal my dog, heal my dog, heal my dog, heal my dog. I've stopped. I haven't even fasted yet. All I've done is, is I'm, I'm, I'm striking. I, won't, I refuse to eat until you do my things my way right away at Burger King. We are worshipers first and foremost. We are worshipers first and foremost. Naked we came into the world. Naked we will go out. If we will worship in the meantime, then your life will be blessed. And you will see great and mighty things. All right. We are, I'm going to have the ushers come forward because we, we're going to take communion together. Notice I haven't mentioned singing, praise, uh, thanksgiving, all of those things yet. We haven't gotten there because worship is the foundation of who we are to be. People who lay our lives down. We're going to take communion today as an act of worship to God. 
Most people who, if you've been raised in the church for any period of time and you've taken communion uh, once a month like we normally do, you're familiar with this passage which says, For I pass on to you that which I received from the Lord himself on the night he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took the bread and said, This is my body which is burning. Right? You know this one? Come on. Am I the only one raised in a church? All right. For I pass on to you. The, okay? But what we don't look at is the, is the verses that come right before that. Paul is trying to teach us a lesson here. He says this. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. He's telling them to take communion because he can't praise them. (laughs) He says, for it sounds as if when you come together, more harm and then good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions to show uh, who God's approval and who's recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And breaking it, he gave thanks and said, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. In the agreement confirmed by the blood, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. What does communion do? Oh God, you're God and I'm not. I go low again. The problem with the Corinthians church is they're like, oh yeah, if one glass of wine is good, (laughs) oh, I'll take Zebs and I'll take Dan's, I'll take Ooks, I'll take them all. And I'm going to eat it really fast. Youngest children know how to eat fast. Paul says, am I going to commend you for this? You don't even give a lick about each other. You're only worried about what you can get and what your problems are and what your, your... So I'm going to pass on to you what was taught to me. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus laid it all down. What did he do? He worshiped. Even though you slay me, I'll do anything, God. And that was the sacrifice that paved the price. That act of worship paid your price and your debt. And we are worshipers. So if you'll come forward, we're going to hand this out. Please don't take it until we've all, we all have it in our hand and we'll do it together. And as it's being handed out, we're going to sing together and just worship the Lord through song. But Father, we just bless the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would, as we take this communion, the Lord's Supper, Lord, we would concentrate and see and go low to the name of Jesus.
stand with me? We're standing to go low. <laughs> I just want you to bow your heads. Keep your eyes closed. Push out any thoughts of what you're excited about tomorrow or <laughs> terrible things that are going on in your life. And let's just focus on Jesus right now. Whom we worship, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Lord and the author and the finisher of our faith. We hold this bread in our hands. It represents the body of Jesus Christ, broken in worship to God. Broken for me. And Jesus, we remember that body who was broken for us thank you and we worship you as we take it together. Let's take the bread. We hold the cup. Represents the blood of the new covenant. The blood that was poured out in an act of worship to the only God by his son, Jesus Christ. Sinless, spotless, yet the blood was poured out so that I could have eternal life, so that I could be sinless and spotless. And Jesus, we worship you. We bow before you and we worship your name. We thank you for your blood of the new covenant. We thank you. And we take this together in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup. worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Father, I pray that if anybody has come into this building today and they are withholding something from you, maybe they've never bowed their heart to Jesus Christ, 101 salvation. Father, right now, that they would confess the name of Jesus and bow in their hearts and they would be saved. I want to pray for those who are struggling with their finances that they would bow those to Jesus. Marriages that represent, that are struggling, Father, may we be the people of God who bow and go low and serve one another and serve God. I pray you bless and anoint your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen. This is 101. I'm trying, please don't hear that I'm I'm diminishing praise, that I'm diminishing prayer. These are these are incredibly profound things. But let's worship God and lay low. Maybe today find a spot and just lay before God and know that He is God. Um, next Sunday, I don't want to give anything away about what genre we'll be in, because I, you know, I don't want you to stay home. But I, I think it'll be a little groovy. So uh, I don't know what that would look like, but uh, anyway, God bless you as you go. Let's be the people who worship God in all circumstances. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit us at welcomenewlifeassembly.org.